Clubhouse from ABC Grandstand. Yes, and welcome to the Clubhouse, the show that pops the bonnet on Australian sport, half-heartedly hits everything with a spanner before charging you a fortune. I'm your host, Jules Schiller. Let's meet our panellists for this edition of the Clubhouse. Firstly, uh, my first guest is from ABC Grandstand. He's a Celtic supporter, which means that he's a rabid Catholic and runs all these answers past Rome. <laughs> Danny McKinley. <laughs> I have no idea why I said that. Mate, I like it. This is, that's, a, that's some old school sectarianism <laughs> exactly. that my, my genes haven't heard for three generations. And maybe like the Pope, you'll be infallible. Possibly. He's, he's infallible. What did the Pope, the Pope change something this week? He says, oh, death penalty, not allowed. So even if I'm terrible at this, can't shoot me. My next guest is a host of the Outer Sanctum podcast. And I'm going to say you're a Quidditch lover because you've just been talking about Emma Watson. It is Emma Race. I am. I'm always after the golden snitch. You are? Yeah, I love a golden snitch. That's what the Outer Sanctum's all about. We've become like an ombudsman for, um, for, for bad behaviour. <laughs> and so I feel a bit snitchy all the time. We get a lot uh. of text messages and lot of, did you see that person being sexist and misogynist and racist? And we go, oh, yeah, we'll follow that up. And they said, no, we haven't seen Titus O'Reilly's show. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, yes, well, what can I say about my next guest? Actually, what can I say? Because I haven't written an introduction. It is Titus O'Reilly. Oh, Welcome, Titus. A better introduction than I deserve. <laughs> All right. Now, there's there's no really, there's not much scoring in this game, but there are actually, there are actually, <laughs> There actually are legitimate answers to all the questions. So some of them are multiple choice, some of them are audio. All you have to do is try and think as hard as you can, and when that doesn't work, put your brain into reverse, and you'll probably succeed in this in this quiz. Are you ready, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just here for the cash and prize. <laughs> That's yeah, the ABC, is isn't notorious it? for it. Here's a coffee mug and a key ring. <laughs> hey! Let's not, play not really. Clubhouse. The Clubhouse from ABC Grandstand. First question for the panel. Early footballs were made out of a pig's bladder. What danger did these sometimes present to athletes? They Early football. They weren't halal. Mm. <laughs> Is that an issue? Yeah. <laughs> Huge issue. Let's, let's get into that territory straight off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. All vegan. Yeah. Let's yeah. open the lines to callers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, early footballs were made out of a pig's bladder. Would they explode? Bladders. Yeah. Uh, Challenging if the pig needed to go to the toilet. <laughs> they become like or an they... early water balloon. Well, see, you're actually quite close there. Oh, uh, did you get pig's pee on you? Okay, well, not that close. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is that where it comes from where the pigs go wee, wee, wee all the way home? Does oh, it come from that? Oh, wow. Yes, could be. Titus, any idea? Uh, uh, did they explode? Um, no, they didn't. It wasn't to do with anything exploding. Uh, look, I, I don't know if I can give you any points for this. Blowing them up could result in lung disease and even death if the pig's bladder had an infection and hadn't been treated properly. In 1860, the rubber bladder was invented. Not the first time, as you said, Titus, in your book, a rubber was a solution to stopping the spread of disease. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think, like, when they all wanted to play footy, someone would go, whose turn is it to blow up the ball? (laughs) No one's going to be really volunteering, are they? Let's go even further back. So so I feel like kicking something round today. Are you done with that bacon? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I've got an idea. (laughs) Steve, don't do that. Hey, let's play. <laughs> who, who first, like, blew yeah. up a pig's bladder? Like, yeah. who first There's got that a lot idea? of things that if you think about them, especially to do with, you know, milk and eggs and all this. Milking things, a think, cow is always a big yeah, question. Yeah, who was the one? first guy that figured that out? And it will be a bloke, I reckon. Oh, definitely a bloke. I feel like this is where those cured meats might have come from. People started, I don't know... <laughs> 
was about to say blowing on meat. <laughs> well, now no I'm having that. some regrets. Yes. <laughs> All right, so no points for that. Let's get to the second question uh, on the clubhouse here. What was considered immoral on Sydney beaches in the early 20th century? <laughs> What was con- <laughs> indigenous people? <laughs> Along the same line, I was going to say women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we indigenous allowed? women. Ooh. Oh, never Ooh. allowed there. Oh, maybe sunscreen. Sunscreen. Immoral sunscreen. I don't know. Immoral. So maybe not. Maybe mankinis. Mankinis. Yeah. Well, back. Well, they did a... sort of weightlifters wore a sort of mankini, didn't they, back That's in the true. early twentieth century? Yeah. What do you think, Ty? Was it immoral? A, was it an early version of the lockout laws? <laughs> <laughs> Was it personal training groups larger than 15 people that don't have a permit? <laughs> it's actually quite simple. I think, I think you're trying to think too is it, specifically is about it swimming? this. swimming? Swimming is correct. Swimming was considered immoral uh, on Sydney beaches until the early 20th century. And Where were you supposed to do your swimming? <laughs> well, nowhere. No one Nowhere. swam. There was, no no there, bathing. It was very famous because there was an editor of a Sydney newspaper uh, and he challenged the laws at Manly. He was called William Gosher. And here's some news reel. It was a huge story. So here's some new, a news bulletin at the time when he first went swimming. A young man named Gosher decided to protest against the prudish law forbidding bathing between 6am and 8pm. 6pm and 8pm. Uh, so I love the music in the background. Yeah. I, I feel I like we should go a, conquer something now. the ABC used to be like, Danny McGinley joins me now with Emma Race. <laughs> they actually uh, had that voice on that um, on an ad leading up to the AFLW, and I, I really liked it. Yeah. I loved then calling it, it sometimes in a quiet moment, I'd do a bit of, and Deezy pissed. He's a god. I remember that ad. Yeah. That was great. And, and so what do you think happened after they said, all right, you can all... You can all go swimming on the beaches. Mass orgy. No. What do you think happened? Shark attack? No. Mm. Just heaps of drownings. Because oh, no one actually no one knew, knew how to swim. So in uh, in on the February of 6, 1938 at Bondi Beach, there was a You're huge talking rage. like one of those old news. On the yeah. February of 6. Yeah. Well, it's called Black Sunday. Oh. So there were all these big waves. Five people died. 200 people were swept out to sea. 35 people were unconscious and brought in from the beach. Because everyone went swimming and no one knew how to swim. Uh, which is a slight, you know, logical inconsistency in that. So didn't they have that Bondi lifeguard show happening at the time? <laughs> yeah, it was Hoppo. They had to invent TV. They had to get well, Hoppo down there. Well, this is the interesting thing because this did lead to the invention of surf lifesaving, oh, which ended, of course, in Bondi Rescue, that proud show. And I was looking at the... Hey, on, it ended in Bondi Rescue? So, <laughs> so they can- if they cancel that show, do we, do we all... There's no, no more, more swimming. Yeah, good Holy luck. And, and I was looking at the history of surf lifesaving and, you know, there's always been ads for safe swimming and, you know, be, be careful in the surf. And, you know, in the 80s, everything had to be done with, like, synth and electronic guitar and an out-of-work DJ from, say, a hard rock station. <laughs> yeah. So just have a listen to how they tried to present, you know, marine safety in the 80s. Here we go. I love this. The Australian summer. <laughs> Time for the beach, the surf and the sun. A lot of fun can be had on our beaches this summer. But if you're not careful, the fun times in the surf could become dangerous. <laughs> yeah. That's John Deeks. Is it really? Yes. That is John Deeks' voice. Wow. You just speed that up and make him go, JB, you've done it again. <laughs> really? That's Deeksy. Deeksy. I love how it's about to break at every but moment. E- even if you're doing... Every every public health ad was done like that. A guitar. It'd be dangerous. I feel like it's very stack hats. Very stack hats of the yeah. 80s as well. The funny thing about um, surf lifesaving is that, you know, it's obviously a way that they save lives, but it's also competitive. And I've been 
been waiting all these years for like the ambos to get in it and have like the <laughs> the jaws of life pan packs or like yeah. the ambulance chasing yeah. fifteen hundred meters, like the other emergency services to get in on the act. Yeah, well, the fire brigades do that. Do they? Yeah, they Pole have dancing. competitions about climbing who can climb ladders the quickest. <laughs> oh, so, so they don't set uh, deliberate fires and then well, and then well, some they, of the, some of the volunteers do. East Melbourne. They put deliberate cats up trees. I think that's what they do. <laughs> Titus O'Reilly, well done. After the second question, you're first on the board oh, with one point. Bad. Let's get to question number three. How, this is a pretty simple question. How long after the end of World War II did it take for Test cricket to resume? How long after the end of World War II? Oh, I genuinely reckon a couple of hours. Like, a couple of hours? <laughs> well, like, do you, do you mean a formal match? Yeah, a formal match, yeah. Oh, then not, probably like a week. A week. Okay. A week. Well, so so we'll, we'll, I'll give the points to the closest. Here. However long it takes for trench foot to get repaired. Okay. Well, so how, <laughs> I'm, I'm not an expert, surprisingly, on ten trench days. foot. Ten days. Ten days? All right. Well, what do you reckon, Titus O'Reilly? Oh, six months. Six months. Well, I have to get... You're all actually really, really close, except for Titus. It was two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Two weeks for Test Cricket. Uh, I'm glad that their priorities right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't repatriate the wounded. Let's start Test Cricket again. Yeah, victory tests were held between an English side and an Australian side made Make, up of servicemen who played Sheffield Shield before the war. Makes sense. Uh, there was... It, it actually ended probably pretty close to the war because uh, there was one Australian bowler, Graham Williams. He'd only been released from a German prisoner of war camp a few weeks earlier. He was 31 uh, kilos below his playing weight and occasionally had to stop for drinks of water with glucose just to keep going through the games. Now, oh, now if he yes. was caught ball tampering by biting the ball, you'd forgive him. <laughs> he was very hungry. That's tough too because, you know, most people now... They, they'd take it off if they were just a bit tired. So he's just come out of a prisoner's <laughs> war camp and it's he's amazing. like, let's get back to it. Yes. Amazing. So, well done. Then he sunk 52 cans of VB <laughs> yes, in the yeah. Jeep on the way home. <laughs> I, I, need, the, I need the calories. <laughs> they stopped the they, – they played cricket uh, for a bit of World War Two. So uh, at the start of it, Menzies actually said when it kicked off and he was Prime Minister, he said, keep playing – uh, cricket in the state level, they got rid of Australia playing. Obviously, it's a bit hard to go and travel over to England. But in World War Two, they said, "Keep playing. We don't want to. We want to keep morale up." But then, by about 1941, as the Japanese started to get close to invading, they thought we can't really waste the manpower. And the Japanese had never been big fans of cricket ever before either. <laughs> no. And so they had to stop it. So it was finally, okay. but it was like okay. one of the last sports. sports, one of the last sort of normal things that Australia gave up at the very last moment. Was, it was only under threat of invasion. Was there talk of uh, like the females playing like in a league of their own? Yeah, well, I think that's how fo- there was a lot of footy teams that did women did start playing out of factories, oh, started we, playing we, during the war because there was the men weren't playing. And there were so, huge sports that women played during the war. Yeah, yeah. and for a lot of times, so why you know, did you stop playing sport for seventy years? Yeah, yeah it's you a really good question. You know why? Because then when the men came home from war, they put us in the tuck shop. <laughs> Said someone needs to make the hot dogs. All right, there we go. After three questions, Titus is on one. Emma, I'm going to give you double points for Thank that because you. you're guessing you're going to be on two. And Danny McGinley is yet to hit the oh. scoreboard. This is the clubhouse. Oh, the clubhouse from ABC Grandstand. All right, question number four. Which one of these statements about the Matildas isn't true? 
One player called the coach before an international match to say she would be late as her shift at Woolies did not finish until 5.30pm. <laughs> In the lead-up to the Sydney Olympics to raise their profile, the team released a nude calendar. One player once came home to find her husband so enraged that he cut up her football boots or Warwick Kappa emceed one of their fundraisers, which one of those stories about the Matildas isn't They're true. They're all believable. I know. Very much I, so. I feel like I'm going to have to go back to the very, very dark days of women's sport when FHM used to to, you know, pursue athletes with no clothes on and calendars well, the, were the only way to raise well, money. Well, this isn't true. So you're saying that's true? So I'm saying that talk. is true. Okay, yeah. yes. So, um, that is, I'll give you process that. Process of elimination. Okay, so what <laughs> isn't true, though? Which of those isn't true? So, which, which, so that they, is true. They did do the calendars? They did, yeah. yes. And it, it did give them a big profile, Bruce, but the, the thing is it was the calendar and then they went back down. Of course, now they're... You know, because they're winning and they're a great team and, you know, we all love them. Yeah, but, it's yeah, weird. They now they're being promoted because they're really good, good at sport. sport. Mm. Yeah. And they win a lot. Yeah. Weird. So weird. <laughs> so weird how that happens. I feel like the Woolies one would be true too. Is this oh, a team sport or am I meant to be going? No, no, no. no, no you can is go it, through is, it. Is, is, the only one I can think of. Well, this is an international match, remember, the Woolies. So the, the international match was delayed because of the shift at Woolworths. Well, well Woolies open 24 hours. <laughs> was it because someone was complaining about the lack of plastic bags? <laughs> Something to do with plastic bags for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, is it the Warwick Kappa one? Yeah, anyone who's met Warwick Kappa is not going to book him for an for I was about to say. <laughs> So that, that's my theory. I'm, that's I'm that's what I'm one. going with. Okay, yeah. go. Yes, you are right. Warwick Kappa never. <laughs> <laughs> to our knowledge. Uh, the sport was in, you know, was poorly treated for a long time, but it never got to those steps. Yeah. Well, even if you, if, you, if you thought, hey, that Warwick Kappa, that could be a bit of fun. Let's have a meeting with him. Hey, Warwick, so uh, what, what do you think about MC? Yeah, I can spell MC. Yeah, yeah, great to be here. Great to be here. Yeah, um, yeah so, so it's incredible when you think about women's sport back in, you know, before when the Matildas and the other days. Two, an two international game is... <laughs> Is is delayed because of shift at Woolworths. Yeah, I mean, but that says a lot, doesn't it? It does. We still see this now. We see people, you know, running off to shifts between AFLW matches to deliver babies and then go home and wash the one kit that they have and make it back to play on time in the dark. They didn't need to wash their kits because there's no lights anyway. No one That's can tell. Right, no one can tell. <laughs> can we just please get equality across all sports so we can get those calendars back <laughs> for, for and, men and women? You and you, you were right about sports during World War One because. Is when uh, during World War One, when the men were at war, Australia and England played a game of uh, soccer at the Gabba, and they had ten thousand spectators there. That's uh, so you know there was what a was huge. The score? Per- Do we win? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. No, it's not well, on that's the bigger than most A League games. Ten thousand, yeah, ten thousand at the Gabba. I mean, that's yeah, that's huge. more than that's a, a big test business. match. <laughs> most <laughs> test matches. All right, well done. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you two, and you one because you all did well enough in that one there. All right, the next one isn't. <laughs> you you, you realise you pointed. This is audio. <laughs> I know. Of I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think he pointed to me for the two. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next one is an audio question, and we're still on football. Oh. What happens next? Have a listen. Congratulations, Mohammed. I'm sure coming down here and making sure you walk away with something is a good achievement. But looking at the balance of play, I'm sure you could have won that game tonight. Uh, thank you very much. And I thank Almighty God who was above. I always wish to win one of these, and, and, and I got it. So... Thank you very much for, for, for this, for giving me this. What happens next in that interview? Went around the world. Famous interview. Did he, does he say, no, no, you lost? No, that, no. no. Okay. 
Oh, you're smiling, Titus. I know I you know this. Titus knows. Well. Uh, you don't know? Well, what it... do you think would happen to send that interview viral? Oh, it's got to be a, it's a bodily fluids. Yeah, or... someone, oh, someone flashed in the background. Well, no, this or... is all, I wouldn't play it's that audio. on radio. Sorry, it's okay. audio. So it's audio. See, I think the worst of people. Save the stalks, save the scores. <laughs> it's worse than flashing. Worse than flashing? Yeah. Well, I reckon it was worse know. than flashing. Uh, you're, you're smiling, oh, yeah, Titus. No, I know you know I the answer. I remember this one very fondly oh, well, right. when it happened. All right, we'll play the audio. Well, what is it? I've got to get the correct answer. Oh no! Well, well, I think well, he uh, thanks two people rather than one. Oh, let's okay. Okay. So right, let's play the audio. My wife and my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, I mean my wife. Yeah, sorry to say, I'm so, I'm so sorry, my wife. Listen, I love you so much, Aya. I love you so much from my heart. Ne? So. Must keep on supporting me and thanks for for to come to the game. Yeah, we need the three points because the position we are. So yeah, wife and the girlfriend and the wife. I think with that order, wasn't it? Look, we've always all of us at some point have almost made that mistake. The truth is, the wife wasn't watching or listening. That's right. Because that's where they're at. He should have just thanked the girlfriend and moved on. How have I never heard? That. You've never that heard is that. Extraordinary. But it rolled off his tongue so quickly, he must be always thinking his wife and his girlfriend in the same <laughs> sentence. But then he does the Lisa, I love you so much. You know, the, the but there was an even worse moment of that. You remember the post match when he tried well, to explain it? A week later, he got interviewed and because it had gone viral. So to clean it up, he said, What I meant is I sometimes call my daughter my girlfriend. Oh! <laughs> What? And I thought, it's that thing of, no. you know, when you've dug yourself in a hole, stop digging. <laughs> that was his actual excuse for it. He said, that's what he, that's what it meant. It just got confused. And I thought, nah. I feel like we're one second away from Donald Trump saying that about his daughter. <laughs> oh, that's you know right. how he does a bit of... Oh, no, Emma, that, that was Donald Trump doing a racist <laughs> accent. <laughs> Probably. All right, here we go. Question number six. Uh, what famous sports person recently got caught in a hotel stairwell? What famous sports person? Clothed. Uh, well, this person, you, you, you would actually ask that question. <laughs> uh, like you seriously <laughs> could so ask many choices. yes or no on that. It was Favola, wasn't it? Brendan Favola. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep going until we get close. My initial reaction was Craig McLaughlin. <laughs> 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 then I remembered he doesn't play sport. Yeah. He did once do stand-up yeah. on the footy show. That, the that, does that constitute show. sport? Well, it was so bad. The crowd started booing him. It's on YouTube. It's one of the great... Cringeworthy yeah. five minutes and of it TV. You've Craig ever seen. McLaughlin got caught in a hotel stairwell. You know the hotel stairwell didn't want him in there. <laughs> is that too far? I'm now regretting saying Craig McLaughlin for more reasons yeah, than one. So was the ABC legal um, department. Yeah, sorry about that. I think it was no. I, I, I no. I'm at a loss again. Sorry. Okay. Well, it, it's it's not a story of great intelligence. That might give you a hint. Do it's, it's, oh, it's definitely Brendan Favola. And we're doing not on Favola. Well, you, you, no, you're you're on the right track. You're okay. on the right track with Favola. All right. It wasn't Ben and Tommy, was it? No. Who no. else is Favoli? Warwick Kappa? Yes, well done, oh, Warwick Kappa. There you go. This is a full story. I read it out. In 2017, Warwick Kappa got locked in a Perth hotel stairwell after mis- uh, mistaking a fire escape door for the entry to the gym. He spent more than an hour in the stairwell, and when he was found, he said he thought he was going to die. The hotel later pointed out that the door at the bottom of the stairs is unlocked at all times, given it's a fire exit, so Kappa could have just walked out at any time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. How the is wizard. It? He's always the go-to answer, isn't he? Yes. You know, yeah. In a quiz show where you want to picture the very, very worst... <laughs> 
You just go what? reach for your cap. And do you know the worst part? He missed his gig emceeing them from the Matildas. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he has the same jokes. I've interviewed him a, f- a few times, and he'll always go, you know, he'll bring up his spread at Penthouse, and yeah. you know, the only mm. spread that went over eight pages, and you know, he does. He, yeah, he does I the love same you like gig. a brother, but I'm, I'm Tasmanian. Exactly. That's, yeah. He said that to you're me ruining. You're ruining all his all his material. Yeah. You're yeah. burning it but on he air. Was, he was a good player. Let, let you, yeah. That's the bizarre yeah. thing with Kappa. Because, you know, with all these kind of he adult Brit- movies and yeah. going for the mayor of the Gold Coast and stuff, he was actually half a decent player. And he's not a malicious bloke at all. He's actually quite fun. He's just dumb. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I was just reading a review a of my stand-up. from Danny. <laughs> all right, let's so go. Much. Next question. In 1889 in Melbourne in Port Phillip Park, Sam Matthews defeated W.M. Simon in which sport? A, horseback wrestling, B, stump jump plough racing, C, sewer digging, or D, shin kicking? What so year was it again? 1889. So I can't believe you don't remember the W.M. Simon um, Sam Matthews bout in either that. horse wrestling, stump jump, plough racing, sewer digging, or shin kicking. Quite a popular sport uh, at the time. Mm. Uh, I reckon it's going to be. Let's we, you want, well, let's talk it out. What? I don't know what the second one even is. Stump jump. What is that? Plough. Plough. Like, they, like they did that in, at your primary school, didn't they? All the, <laughs> growing up on the farm, that's all we did. We yeah. didn't get to go to school. Uh, it's. I feel like shin kicking is what happens in parks after midnight. Well, shin kicking was once allowed in the AFL, wasn't it? Well, shin kicking actually was, back in the day, it was the big argument between rugby and association football, whether you could kick someone in the shins or not. And people got into real fights. It's why the sport sort of split. One went to become association football, which didn't allow kicking in the shins. And rugby did. You were allowed well, the to. The irony, is and the right? irony is today yeah. it's the complete reverse. And the AFL Victorian rules had a huge fight over whether to allow it or not. Who, who would want to allow shin kicking? Is that why sh- risking head and shin is in the Richmond? Yeah. Is that it's in the Richmond theme is, song, yeah. right? So shins get a mention there. So I mean, I'm a history buff. What okay, can I right. say? Well, this is, so, this do, is what I'm drawing on the go, shin kicking. Do you go all the way back to 1889? So we need we need some answers from all uh, of you. Horseback wrestling is the only sport that makes sense to me. Horse wrestling. Oh, that makes yeah, sense horse. to you, doesn't that it? Sense to you. <laughs> that, that makes sense to I you. Picture, what sort of brain right. do you have? Picture Vladimir Putin. Right. <laughs> and he wins, obviously. And he and there's a bear on the other horse. <laughs> Either of them wearing lycra. Uh, no, everyone is naked, <laughs> even the audience. So you're going horseback, you guys? I'm shins. You're going to shin kicking? Yeah, I'm going to go right. sewer digging just because it's so crazy. Sewer it could digging. be, it could well, be right. They're digging a lot of sewers. Uh, one of you is right. No one's taken a stump drum plough racing, which was a good move. And uh, the winner is... Danny McGinley, oh, horseback wow, wrestling. look at you. Putin is always the answer. So is he it is. Ho- wrestling on horseback? Or yeah. is it wrestling a horse? No, <laughs> no, it's wrestling on. It's actually still a big sport in Mongolia and Kazakhstan. So how does that work? You have wrestling. to ride at each other and wrestle. Well, you sort of hold the the horse's sort of reins or whatever they call the bridle, and then you wrestle. The horses sort of come together and you wrestle. So it's jousting you know, without the legs. Yeah, it's sort of like you know, like just it's just men hugging each other on horseback. Yeah. Really, right? Like, it gets you know quite Isn't amorous. Is that a prune wrapped in bacon? Isn't that what that is? <laughs> so I don't know, but <laughs> that's the technical. Yeah, well, so many, there were so horseback. many 1889 workplace horseback wrestling office tipping competitions back in the day. <laughs> At WM Simon's win, really, really. So how many, where, where was this held? 
In Port Phillip Park. Really? Now, yeah. where is that? Is that where is that these in days? In Victoria. I don't know. In Victoria, somewhere, oh. I'm guessing. It's probably probably it's Eddie Hadsta- Dockland it's a, Stadium. It's amazing yeah. it died out as a popular <laughs> sport here. All right, next question. And this is another audio one, so keep your headphones on. What had Ange failed to do when this interview took place? So you're saying I should resign? I think that's you should, your opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my okay, opinion. Fine. So you've okay. So you've stated your opinion. Let's yeah. move on. What, what do you ask? So, is there any other? Is there any other questions, or is and, that it? Is that your whole? Let, let, is that your whole medical analysis? Well, on? are you going to? Sorry. Are you going to resign then? That's the next question. No, of course I'm not going to resign. I always put my future in the people who make those decisions. Now, if those, if the people who I, I put a lot more credibility in than yeah, your yeah, assumption yeah. Okay. or right, your fine. analysis. Fine. I'm just oh, going so on your not, results, right? I'm not attacking you personally. Okay. I'm I know saying... you are. Yes, you... Well, OK, you're not attacking me personally. That's great. I feel much better because you're a really close mate. I don't oh, care. Here we go, a couple of... Uh, you to be mates? <laughs> friendly chats. So what did Ange file? This is obviously a famous interview in the history of was, Australia Was that when football. Ange was uh, an Uber driver? <laughs> <laughs> and just arguing with a passenger? Bad rating. <laughs> what, what did Very Ange... Very bad rating. I'll start with you, Titus. What do you reckon Ange hadn't done when Craig Foster... I'm trying to remember when this was. It, and you was can't this... say sucked up to Craig Foster. Yeah, <laughs> he hadn't been nice to Craig Foster, basically. Yeah. Is it Socceroos era or earlier? Well, it's it's earlier than the Socceroos, oh, you can right. say that. That would have been my guess. What Danny's the one that's going to know this. I do know this, yeah. So what do you think, I'll let Emma? You two play. What do you think Anne should fail to do, which. Craig Foster called for his resignation on the airwaves. Yeah. And then, and then the revelation that they weren't good mates followed that, which I'm sure was startling for everyone. That was a bit that stuck with me. I think he failed to RSVP for Craig Foster's birthday party. That's right. I do like that how it's kind of, oh. Well, I, want mates. I want to be mates with you. I, I want mean, to invite you to my birthday party. Imagine, like, you never see that. In politics or business media, it's only in the sports media where everyone has to sort of prove their, how good of mates they are with each other. Yeah. All right, Danny, you're itching to answer this. Uh, yeah, it was uh, they failed to the when he was the coach of the Olly Roos, and mm. they had failed to make the 2004 Olympics, I believe. Yes, the yep. Youth Cup. Yes, yep. the World Youth Cup. I'll give you that, Danny. You can get four points for Wait. that. Because uh, so that wasn't it, even like the national team. What was the national youth, youth team? team? Oh, it was the Olympic? T- yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And he he hadn't beaten country. Countries like uh, Vietnam, I think, and Cambodia. I, I think Cambodia, uh, and football people listening will know this, but they had put like 19-year-olds in their 17-year-old team or there was some scandal like that. But, yeah, so he was his resignation was called for. And, and this almost destroyed Ange's career, as you would know. He, like, he, after this interview, he sort of lost his job with the national team. He was, and I love this, reading this, uh, he was coaching kids in parks for cash. Really? So, wow. Yeah, he'd see a kid kick a ball and he's going, 20 bucks if you <laughs> kick on the right-hand side, give me 20 bucks. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah he, was, he was going to parks and then... Was he, he so coaching them on. for horse wrestling? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was... So hang on, there's this adult in parks <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and there's some kids just handing him cash. Yeah. yeah. This is not... And no one and, called the police? And he moved back in with his parents as well. I mean, oh, but he, he is Greek. <laughs> Come on. And he, he, Had he ever moved out exactly. is the question. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So as he, and, you know, Brisbane Raw was his lifeline. And That's he went right. to Greece to coach. Like that, and I think, I don't know, but I think that, you know, that interview stayed in Ange Postacoglu's psyche. And I reckon that's one of the reasons he left the Socceroos when he did. Well, he sort of said that. He sort of said, oh, no, I'm going to absolutely cop it. Yeah. And um, he got sick of the Australian soccer public and media, basically. Mm. 
you hear um, leaders in business and sport often talk about the the journey is not a straight line. You know, the trajectory is often a very squiggly line. And I would fashion, I guess, that there was a lot of squiggles around that time when he was in the park <laughs> <laughs> with the kids. I feel like just, that was just, just, you know, just very circular spiral. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't know how much money is there in that as a, as a career. Like, where are these kids getting all this money for? Or is it just like, here's two bucks, mate, thanks for the last he was hour. sponsored by he the Tooth Fairy. He is great. That's always less for cash, you know. Less for cash. <laughs> all right, and it's Foster Coglu and uh, doing well, doing really well in the J League at the moment. Yokohama Mariners. Yeah. Is he, they, were in, they were in relegation danger. Where are they? Yeah, they're fifth now oh, on the J League Man, table. he's good. Let's bring him back. All right, uh, Bolt and Farlap are names associated with winning races, but they're also world champions in another sport. <laughs> is, is Bolt associated with the white race? <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, Did you see Andrew it? Bolt's article? Anyone? No, no, this right. is... Play on. Uh, Bolt <laughs> and Farlap are winners in other sports, but they're also world champions in another. So it's obviously mm. racing. It's obviously racing. Mm. Yeah. Bolt Paul, was a horse well, racing? Not horse racing. <laughs> is it? But put it this way Bolt was recently, uh, this is a pig. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, no, I've got a feeling. I've go. got a feeling. Uh, it's I, something God, I gave birds. it away. <laughs> it's, you gave it away. It's pigeon. It's you pigeons. stole pigeon. <laughs> it is pigeon, yes. And guess how much uh, Bolt was sold for? He's one of the most famous racing pigeons in the world. Guess how much someone would pay for a world famous With racing? or without black bean sauce? <laughs> guess how much? I'll give I'll give double points. Hundred grand? No, higher. Oh, Ooh. I was going to go lower, and this is I'm having flashbacks to the time I was on the Price Is Right, and I won. By the way, um, <laughs> I'm going to say half a million dollars. I'll give it to you. Four hundred forty-five thousand dollars. I was all went for. for I, I was going to guess four hundred forty-five. <laughs> okay, Emma, you get double points for that one. People, it's, yeah. there's a weird thing around pigeons where a lot of hard, like some of the toughest people in history, have been embedded into pigeon racing. And do you know Mike Tyson used Mike to love Tyson. it. Yeah. And Mike Tyson was massive into pigeons, and um, there was a character on The Wire as well who had kept pigeons. He was a hard man, and also the Queen. And I think she's fairly tough. Ghost dog. In the film Ghost Dog, well, by the Samurai, he keeps pigeons. This is the thing. I've got another question on pigeons. I'm not done with pigeons yet. And I think this is a, an easier question for you guys to get. Is it Bill Laurie? Is the answer Bill Laurie? <laughs> no, no. <they're, laughs> okay. What hasn't been used in history to dope pigeons? Oh. A, cocaine, B, painkillers, C, Sudafed, or D, crack amphetamines? So uh, the, the uh, blood test tested a few pigeons over the journey. So what hasn't been found in a pigeon system? Out of all Co- that, the only one I haven't had is Sudafed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just today. Yeah. yeah. The so, rest I've got in my system right now. So so if you were a pigeon racer and you're looking for an edge, would you give your pigeons cocaine? Would you give them painkillers, Sudafed or crack? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Sudafed because this is an ABC show and we can't be uh, giving the brand name away. All right. Yeah, so you're going to say Sudafed? That's the one that they haven't used. Okay, they haven't used. Yeah. What do you think, Emma? Oh, I've seen I've seen a pigeon passing the duchy to the left-hand side, but I don't reckon painkillers. You think painkillers would be one that they haven't they used? They haven't used that. Okay, Titus O'Reilly? I'm going to say crack. You're I don't say... think crack is conducive to racing. I could be wrong. <laughs> You're not Titus. You're right. Yeah. Crack amphetamines Plus are the it's only too expensive to waste on a pigeon. <laughs> we don't have much crack in Australia, apparently. Is I thought all those drugs were the same. I'm such a, you know. 
Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Any, doesn't care. I, don't, I know what Sudafed is. That's all I got. This is one of those things where I want to dive in with a really detailed explanation of the differences in drugs, I don't care. but it makes you not look good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, people don't understand how big pigeon racing is in some countries. In Taiwan, uh, pigeon racing is huge. So much so that some of the elite racing pigeons are captured. And held for ransom. Oh, uh, so you know How you can kind they of tell them apart. Well, you sort of have to demand proof whoa, of whoa, life. Whoa, whoa, Emma, race! <laughs> they all those pigeons look the same to me. Yeah. <laughs> so is there like a there's a there's a there, there must be a pigeon kidnapping sort of crack I was police about to squad say, is there in Taiwan. The SWAT team come in and and will rescue. Put down the pigeon. Hey, you get Ace Ventura, pet detective. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that movie. I mean, if that's your gig, like what do you what do you do for a crust? I'm a I'm a pigeon I, 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 I kid, kidnap pigeons and hold them to ransom. A lot of money. I mean, did you honestly think you should relook at your life? Yeah. Uh, how do you get into that? Do you, is, there, is there pigeon kidnapping amateur nights you start out at? No, it's actually a TAFE course. <laughs> do you catch them with a net? Like, how do you catch no, a I pigeon? Think they, I, I don't know. But, yeah. I mean, I'm more interested in the ransom thing, like, the, you know, because you need proof of life. Yeah. You need to send yeah. the pictures. Yeah. They need to be There's a pigeon be a next to today's this. newspaper <laughs> you know, to prove that you put them on the reading. Your FaceTiming with your pigeon. Yeah, put it on. Show me what the address home is. That's not my pigeon. I want to know they're okay. You don't want to speak to the pigeon and stuff like that. And where's the exchange taking place? Which I mean, there's so many... Maybe I've. Could you send another pigeon to deliver the ransom? <laughs> uh, for that, Titus, I'm going to give you eight points, no. and and also you were the one that picked crack. You're quite good on pigeon doping. Well, that, that was a complete you're... guess, but you know, there we go. Can you put that on your business card? <laughs> yeah. Quite good with pigeon doping. <laughs> All right, here is the next question. Under Captain Margaret Pedden, the first women's Australian women's cricket team arrived in England in May 1937. There were two strict rules on tour. Can you guess them? When the Australian mm. women's cricket don't team ask, don't tell. <laughs> arrived in England in 1937, they had two very strict rules. Can you guess them? Don't go with Shane Warne to a second location. <laughs> Imagine what the 1937 version of Shane Warne was like. <laughs> Percy <What>? Parrot. <laughs> what, a cr- what a cat. You yes. can pick them because they're the ones eating baked beans. <laughs> you know, I don't think it would have been any different. Mm. Uh, what were two rules? Tired what happens on tour stays on tour? <laughs> Was it just they weren't allowed to you know, hang out with men or something? Well, be close. You're getting no close. husbands on tour and no children on tour. You're right. That's one of the things. They had uh, no companions or husbands were allowed on the tour. What was the other rule, do you think? that No undies women... on Monday. <laughs> no, that uh, women it, weren't allowed to do Is it something tour. to do with um, uh, there was tensions with Germany at the time? So no Nazis. No joining the Nazi party. <laughs> no, no sauerkraut. No yeah. forgetting to bring a plate for, the, yeah. <laughs> for tea time. <laughs> Sort of on the right track okay. when you think about things you consume. No drinking. No drinking or smoking. Well done, Emma. Well, why right. else do you play cricket and go yeah, on tour? Was, this is right. No oh. women, no drinking and smoking that's on a cricket tour. In England the, as well. Yeah, this is a complete opposite. See, the men had the reverse cr- band. If you didn't smoke and drink, you were kicked off the tour. <laughs> yes. So that was, uh, and they did well. They won that tour in 1937. Oh, well, but again, works. women's cricket was very big around wartime. And then, mm. as you said, Emma. Do you reckon they said off. to them, you know, they called them in their ladies. A uh, couple of rules for this tour. You're not allowed to bring your husbands. And the women all went, yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and they're all like really happy. And then they said, and eh, no drinking. <laughs> what? Are you serious? I imagine back in those days, if you got a century, they probably just attributed it to your husband on the scoreboard. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'd like to congratulate your husband for his brilliant form. Yeah, Mrs. Julian Schiller. Well done, a century. <laughs> All right, now I've done a very bad adding up thing here. So after, I think, uh, eight questions uh, on the clubhouse, Titus O'Reilly is on 16 points, Emma Race is on 18 points, and Danny McGinley, I keep forgetting to put Mark, you're on one point. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's rough. Jules, do you remember? Because you forgot to put it in. Do you remember the first thing you said when we walked into the studio? Uh, you said to Emma and I, "Hey, don't worry, guys. There's no scoring. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. It's a, just relax. Exactly. We're having fun." Well, for you, they're almost awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the Clubhouse from ABC Grandstand. All right, we're on the home straight now. Here's an interesting question on Australian rules: Which VFL team got the wooden spoon and the premiership in the same season? Brisbane. <laughs> no, we obviously have to go back. It's okay. No, it's uh, it's this year. It's the Bulldogs. Uh, yeah. we won, we, AFLW, we won it and we're on track to come last. No, I do know the answer to this. I think it's Collingwood around the 20s. Is that right? No, no it's not. You, you're not close. You're sort it's, of a war, it's war related. Well, yes, it's war related. There's oh, only four teams or the something. The wanting Nazis. Yes, you're there was only closer. four teams. I want to say it's Fitzroy or Carlton. Fitzroy? Fitzroy? Which one would you pick? Fitzroy. You're right. Wow. Well done, Emma Race. Oh, see, I wasn't far off when I said Brisbane is a joke. Yeah, um, there are only uh, four teams in the competition in 1916, and Fitzroy finished bottom of the ladder. And then because everyone played finals, they and they got some players back. I think. See, uh, the trench foot cleared up. Yes, trench foot. And Tanking they, can they, work sometimes. Yeah, they, they won every game. I think in the, the finals, AFL would pretty... like. A similar system at the moment. They keep trying to add how many teams can make finals at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised to see if all 18 teams back in the finals Apparently in the Apparently the new rule is the Suns are getting a wild card into the finals. <laughs> all right, next question. Uh, and this is one, I don't know if you guys are racing fans, but the automatic totaliser or the tote used for betting at racetracks around the world was invented by an Australian George Julius. What was it actually invented for, the tote, the totaliser? It was an. So the tote, the tote calculate, calculates all the odds. Yes, straight yes, away. Yeah. It was an early Tinder. <laughs> yes. It was it's like, like jockeys and horses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, early Tinder. <laughs> it's it's actually kind of got a bizarre origin. The tote. All right. Very so strange a bunch origin. of numbers, putting them all together. Weather predictor. Well, yeah, you're actually pretty close cool. with a weather predictor. It was originally for. Counting votes. You are right. Oh, well wow. done, Titus well O'Reilly. Done. It's like Four you wrote a book on that. this. Uh, he was working on a machine to tally the votes. On complaining it, he found that governments didn't want it, uh, leaving him in a bit of a quandary. So he then worked out the machine could function as an automatic totaliser to calculate the odds and payouts faster than punters could hand over their cash. This really put the starting price book he had at work, didn't it, the tote? Well, originally when they, the way it would add up and because they would be changing bets as money came in and something became a favourite, they had to actually get big rooms of people to count it all and then also work out the odds. And so they wouldn't actually be... They'd have to stop taking bets like an hour before the race so they could do all the... They couldn't keep up with doing the odds. And the SP bookies would just have set odds. Mm. So they'd just say, you can bet right up to the, the race. So this was the way of getting around it. It could do it in minutes and take all their money. And it became so big that... He built such a big profitable business that he survived the depression, proving that it's better to go into a vice than into <laughs> politics. Yeah. Although they're often saying, yeah, I, I feel like when every time you say that the t- 
totalizer. <laughs> we were saying the totalizer. Yeah. I feel like that's a new Marvel comic opportunity. Oh, as a like, superhero. There's a, a guy superhero can... and he's good the bag and he's got a calculator <laughs> and he's at the track. And he's taking cash in character yeah. the odds of any Marvel uh, comic th- character fighting. Totally. It'd be amazing. Can Batman beat Superman? Let's go to the totalizer. To... <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, what do you guys like on literature? Oh, amazing. Uh, are you like... Uh, cause we're is it footy on. literature? Yeah. yeah, that's right. No, no. Is it books about Sam Mitchell? <laughs> is it The Very Hungry Caterpillar? <laughs> Which literary great didn't play cricket? At, very, at a very Hungry high... Caterpillar. There we go. Done. <laughs> what, at a very next high question. So Arthur Conan Doyle, was it P.G. Wodehouse, Samuel Beckett or Rudyard Kipling? Didn't play. Didn't play cricket. I'm not going to add Warwick Capper in there because we've had enough of him. But he did write full forward. Have you read? Full forward. I have yeah. actually full, read a couple as of in full forward, yes. It's a great, that uh, is a great play on words. An amazing play on words. I reckon Kipling definitely played. Yeah. Colonial. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I reckon Samuel Beckett because isn't he Irish? Yes. So you reckon he was one of the great Irish cricketers, do you? No, I think he, he, didn't, he didn't play. Didn't play because okay. he's Irish. Oh, I reckon he did play because, didn't he? Right, waiting for Godot, and that's about being out in the outer, <laughs> like, like, yeah, like just like, waiting in the like outer. It's like watching just... Jeffrey boycott that. <laughs> that's waiting exactly. for Godot. Yeah. Uh, so who didn't? So who are the other ones? Uh, we've got uh, PG Wodehouse, the caddish PG Wodehouse. Yeah, he Jeeves. wrote Jeeves and Worcester. Yeah, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, of course, the Sherlock Holmes book. Samuel Beckett, waiting for Godot. Roger Kipling, the Jungle Book. One of them, three of them played cricket at quite a high level, like at, you know, elite at school level, sometimes at a sort of county level. Mm. Uh, Which one didn't? Uh, it, was PG Wodehouse like his characters? Like, was he a bit Birdie Worcester? Was he, what, her Jeeves? That was yeah, a yeah. cracking full yeah, toss. Cracking. Um, so you're picking Beckett? Um, Beckett for you're me. Pe- yep. Beckett, who yeah, are you I'm picking? Wodehouse. You're Wodehouse. Because I've never heard of him and I just want to say Wodehouse. Okay. Wodehouse. Wodehouse. <laughs> Do- so. I'd say Arthur Conan Doyle. Really? Arthur Conan Doyle. Well, yeah. the correct answer is Rudyard Kipling. Oh, oh wrong. Do you think with the Indian connection and everything? Well, that you, have... just, 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 you can't profile him in that way. Can I? No, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. What, the uh, Indians like cricket. It's not exactly profiling. <laughs> he uh, he played at a very, he was a Nottinghamshire player and uh, he played a guy called Shacklock. Uh, in cricket, which is where the term yeah. Sherlock believes to have oh. come from. Uh, Beckett, as you say, he uh, played uh, in Ireland at a very high level as well. Of course, what won does the that Nobel mean? Prize. He was the one of the people who knew the rules. Well, first, yeah. first class games for Dublin University. Is that high enough for you? Well, Did you ever play cricket at that level? Who'd they play against? Dublin I... Tafe? <laughs> I don't know. And PG Wodehouse uh, played uh, first grade cricket for Dulwich College in the sort of, you know, private school leads of England. Right. There That's when go. you got selected yeah. on how much money you had. Yeah, exactly. And and then after the games, you go and burn some hedges. <laughs> All right, two more questions to bring this one home. All right, who was the cappuccino kid? Here's a question without most. The cappuccino kid in sport. What era oh. are we talking? It's got to be boxing, doesn't it? All no. the kids are boxing. No. Oh. Um, this is a, like, a, it, it was an athlete who got done for coffee. Um, yes. Consumption. Intake. Yeah, coffee consumption. Uh, it was big back Was that in, illegal? I feel like it was a, a runner. Was it a runner? No, it wasn't a runner. Oh. Is it, a, and is it so some sort of caffeine thing? Cyclist? Cyclist. Well, see, you instantly want to say cyclist because they're do. sort of the most cheaty of all the sports. Was he a cappuccino king or a cup of chino king? No, no, you're a cappuccino. Okay. You know, I had a friend who ordered a cappuccino in America and uh, they brought out a, a, a cup just with tuna in it. You know, because oh. of the accent. Not <laughs> a cappuccino. <laughs> they just do a coffee mug just with a tin of That's tuna. Brilliant. Which is great. And I think she ate it, you know, just <laughs> uh, a cappuccino. Delicious. Uh, 
Was it a horse? Um, no, it wasn't a horse. The Cappuccino Gymnast. Kid. No, well, you're getting close. It's, it, it, was a, it was at an, an Olympic event. Um, uh, Winter I don't or think summer? anyone's going to get it. No. Uh, there were f- it's, uh, they do five events in this competition. Oh, Pentathlon. Okay. Pentathlon, that's right. And he was about to do the fencing and uh, he, was, he, he tested positive for coffee, for, for caffeine. Uh, he was sent home in disgrace. Uh, what, uh, and then, of course, they realised the drug test wasn't, you know, wasn't accurate because you could, you could have cups of coffee and still get done for it. But what was weird that he was just using the freak... <laughs> it, it was waiting so long for his event. He was just actually using the, the coffee in the canteen, like the free coffee at the urn. <laughs> so he had about three or four of them winning, got done, sent home in disgrace. And all the other drugs during those Olympics uh, weren't picked up at all. So Alex Watson is the cappuccino oh, kid. Didn't he get let off? Yeah, he got let off eventually. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it overseas because that would be called an international roast. Oh, oh well done. Oh, Drop yes. the mic. Drop the mic. <laughs> That's got to be worth points, surely. All right, final question, and this is going to be an easy one, so I'll pick the first answer to come through really quickly. Which tourist road through Bald Hills became the site of one of Australia's great annual sporting events? Bathurst. Well done, ever. <laughs> you went Bald Hills. They changed it to Mount Panorama, but it was originally called Bald Hills. Mm. It doesn't have the same ring, does it? The king of the... I prefer the king, the, the king of the bald hills. The king of the bald hills. Yes, it was... I think that's a nightclub. <laughs> bald hills. Over 28. Yeah. Definitely over 28. It's no denim. All right, as we calculate the final... As the, we calculate the final tally. And, Danny, I'm so sorry. I keep forgetting to put any points that's weird, in your isn't thing. It? Uh, I've, see, I, I don't keep it very... So Emma's got... 19. Turner's got... This is, this he needs the totalizer. Uh, totalizer. Yeah. Wouldn't help Danny uh, if he's not putting him in, though. <laughs> Danny, like Danny gonna... on one, Titus on 17, and Emma Race is the winner of this clubhouse oh, with 19 oh, points. Oh, Congratulations. Thank you for playing. I hope you've learned something. Maybe you haven't, but it's all about the participation that matters on the clubhouse. Titus, Emma Race, <laughs> Danny McGinley. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you same time next time the pod drops. Bye.